Let's get started. You know what? Can't regret. Uh, if there's one thing that's been you guys have been reading about, I think, is how regret shouldn't be part of the Christian life. Because every moment has some meaning. And every, every moment in the Christian life is caught up in the work of God. So we can't regret the work of God. I might suffer through it, Carol. But the Lord's also called us to rejoice in suffering. So, Oh, I don't know who said, I, I, okay, see? Okay, thank you. All right. Um, I was told that you guys finished on page 65. So we're going to start there. Or you guys just talked about time, I believe. Does this sound familiar for everybody? Time. I remember I popped in last week and I heard something about a grocery store. Yeah, over and done? Okay. Great, so we don't need to resurrect that. All right, great. Now, um, this great white screen... We're supposed to have a few paintings on it, but so we're going to have to imagine things today. I asked Carla. I said, "How, how you know, how, how, how uh, you know, on a, on a scale?" My question for you guys is: Do you guys have a good imagination? We're going to try to imagine things today. I also was told that I get to sit down the entire time. Is that good? All right, perfect. Um. In your discussion of time last week, you guys, did you guys talk about rhythm? No. All right, great, fantastic. Let's talk about rhythm. Uh, I have a couple stories I would like to dis- just to begin with. This last summer, uh, Holly and I had the, had the great pleasure of taking 11, 12, 12, high school students to this uh, youth conference. It was called the Higher Things Conference. And uh, some moms uh, of the children are here. That w- One of the great things about this conference, it was the schedule of the conference. And the entire conference was scheduled around uh, what we call the prayer offices. If you look in your hymnal, you'll see the morning matin service. You'll see uh, Vespers, morning prayer, evening prayer, comp line. I think everybody's been exposed to at least some of those here at St. John. Well, the entire day was set up. You get up, you pray. You go for several hours, you pray. A few more hours, you pray. And then at the end of the day, you pray some more. And... Through this, through this period of time, uh, several of the kids, it was a uh, great adjustment. <laughs> Struggle, perhaps. Um, now, every, every kid believed that prayer was important. No, I mean, no one disagreed with why this was good. However, they didn't like it. Because it was a struggle for them to get used to this certain rhythm of prayer. 
One young lady specifically at the end of the conference said, oh man, we went to church like a hundred times. <laughs> In actuality, I think, I mean, we were there for two full days like three days in total, if you include the half days on both ends. So we didn't pray 100 times. We prayed at most 12 times, really. So, and if you throw in the divine service, there are maybe 14, maybe. Anyways, however, uh, even through that, I mean, that was, that was kind of the quintessential moment of struggle for this young lady. Uh, the thing is, though, some of the other kids by the end of, of, of the, the conference, had actually adapted themselves to this rhythm of prayer, uh, of song, and meditation. Uh, and it, it, was, it was a very interesting thing, even for me personally, because this is something uh, I desire in my own life. Uh, when our Lord tells us to pray continually, or pray without losing heart, that's not just a, like a simple feeling. That actually is carried out in acts of prayer. Um, and that was one way that actually unfolded in us before our very eyes, this actual rhythm to, to life. Now I want to c- compare that one with something that just happened this, this last two day, or three days, on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, my wife was with me on this this trip. We went to a pastor. Well, I, we went to a pastors' conference. Pastor Gainig and I, and um, never been to a pastors' conference before. This is my first one. Even as a vicar, I never went to like a. I never tagged along and went to a pastors' conference. So I, you know, I was excited. I thought, well, this is going to be a great time for us pastors to get together to pray sing, meditate upon God's word. <laughs> Didn't happen. Um, and, and all the time while I was at this, it was only a two-day conference, all the time this was in the back of my mind, unbeknownst to the fact that I was going to be reading this thing from, from uh, Peterson. In fact, uh, I talked to somebody in this room about this, how uh, one of the great struggles for me at this conference was how the schedule was not uh, centered around the prayer offices. And I, I, I probably wouldn't have never said that if I didn't go to this Higher Things conference because of the great joy and, and the great wonder of this prayer rhythm that recaptured a rhythm of life that was thoroughly Christological. And the reason why I say that is because if we read the Gospel of Luke, which we've been reading this all this last year, Jesus is praying all the time. It's, it's never a uh, great subject. I mean, a few parables, like even this Sunday, we'll, we'll see about prayer. But you'll have just a, a, a sentence, Jesus went to go pray, and then he came down. Or... So Jesus is always praying. So that's why I say it's Christological, is that um, when, Jesus, when our Lord bids us to pray continually, he's basically saying, just, just do what I do. Um, 
So anyways, this pastor's conference was, was not scheduled around that. It was kind of business and uh, administration. And that's great. But we do need to have our times of prayer and meditation where we do go to a desolate, quote-unquote desolate place like Jesus, and we spend time in prayer so that when we come back into the world of business and administration and grocery stores and things like this, that that moment of, of, of prayer reminds us of who we are and the kind of life we are to live at the grocery store. So I, I was quite saddened at the pastor's conference because we, we weren't able to do that. I thought if there's a group of people who are called to do that, it would be the pastors. But thank goodness there's high school kids who help us do that too. All right. I'm going to move this for you. Yes, Andrea, sorry about that. Okay. All right, those are my two introductory stories about rhythm, recovering the rhythm. Um, Talk to me about rhythm, because I have more stories. This is very interesting. Is Carrie down here? All right, I'll talk about Audrey eventually. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Doesn't sound very restful. Does anybody have any uh, Jewish friends by chance? Yeah, um, you know one of, one of the interesting things about about that is it, it was the Sabbath was to work on your faith. Actually, I mean you you weren't spending time. You know, I guess we, we, the parody is that you know they don't turn lights on and everything, but the whole thing is is that they the Sabbath was for reading. I mean, it was for hearing the the, the word of God. So. The thing is, though, this has to do with prayer, working on prayer and working on the Word of God, is that, um, especially with prayer, we often don't, prayer is elusive, in that we don't see it sacramentally. We often see our, our, our raising our petitions to God. The thing is, though, prayer is speaking back to God what He has first spoken to us, 
So we are speaking the words of God. Our, our, our prayer needs to be formed by God's word. So God's word is, is, is always from him to us. So there is this strange sharing going on, which goes to intimacy, which Eugene Peterson talks about that, and we might jump to that right after this, is when we pray and we speak the words of God, God is actually giving us something himself. But So when we pray, we, we are speaking the words, but it's actually being given to us in the action of prayer. So, and I think that's a great thing to kind of heed maybe even from our, our, you know, the, the example of how on the Sabbath, that is a time for study of God's word because we actually are resting, we're receiving in prayer and in God's word. Even though it might feel like we are working on it and it's tiring of reading and praying and study, um, Did we talk about the garden ever? The Garden of Eden, right? Did you guys talk about that last week or a couple weeks ago or anything? What was Adam to do in the garden? Work. Tend to it. Keep it. So we get tired. You know, that's okay. God's called us to tend the garden. And we are tending the garden by the prayer and the reading and the studying of God's word and worship, too. So, uh, so ty- being tired of going to church ten times a day, or a hundred times, that's, that's a good kind of tired. We had a question, uh, yeah, two hands, here first. Yes. Uh, 
Man, that is wonderful. What a great story. Um, in our new, our new old hymnal, whatever, the LSB, the, the one that's new, but it has all the old services in there. Um, when we get to the Lord's Prayer, it says we are bold to say, I think. or It, it uses the word bold in it. Yeah, I think it's in our small. It's even in a small catechism. I think the word "bold" is used of how. So we maybe have echoes of this even, even in our Lutheran tradition of this uh, privilege. Of man, we get to pray to God, and um, that, that's that's an amazing thing. That's great, man. Oof. Yes. Um, were you thinking of keeping the Sabbath holy after the Sabbath? Did all these things happen? Yeah. You know, 12, you were at 12 o'clock, you were up there, you were all the way there. I just don't, my understanding of keeping the Sabbath holy would not be in any new Sabbath. And that would seem very um, dogmatic. Absolutely, I agree completely. In fact, right. That hopefully that that I, I'm sorry that came across that way. I uh, definitely did not mean that. However, we, as as Jesus did, he went away to pray. So he came back. Uh, it, he never, he never it, it's like the transfiguration. This is a great, great image. Peter says, let's build the altars, let's stay up here. And, and Jesus says, no, we go back. This is the same thing with prayer, is that we take time apart so that we can live in the world. Because we all know that the world is um, very good at helping us forget Forget who we are and who God, God's called us to be. Is that, was, you said something about that? Well, maybe I was thinking about that while you were saying that. Is that um, God has called us to be set apart. Now, that doesn't mean secluded, but set apart in our life as living testimonies. And, and later on, Peterson talks about signs when he discusses the Gospel of John. Our lives are to be signs. We are living placards of the story of Jesus. Um, so, but we only can be placards if we're in, in amongst the people. But we do spend our time in prayer so that God can remind us, give us that identity. And one of the interesting things is, these are all, these are all uh, in fact, uh, you know, I don't know if they still do this, but when, you know, in music class when I was a young boy, I remember learning Swing Low and Wade in the Water and all these spirituals. Well, these were sung in the midst of work. You know, some people could say to pass the time or that. That's all absolutely true. But another interesting thing about that is it actually helped cultivate your work as prayer. So you're singing in the midst of prayer I mean, uh, you're singing in the midst of your work, 
Now work becomes a prayer. Work, work becomes a song. Um, and even in, 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 in uh, cloisters and monasteries, they often would do that too. The thing is that we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that to make our prayer. We don't have to make that to make our work. We don't have to do that to make going to the grocery store this, this life of prayer, this life of worship. However, it's helpful for us to do those things to remind us who we are. Um, I don't know if I'm making sense there, but yeah. Yeah, okay, yep. That's exactly true. In his reminding, he is forming us. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and seeing, if we don't have to, same as if there were an amazing blessing to make all the buffet and spread every day, all of your favorite foods and fruits and, 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 and wine and beautiful things sitting in that, this room in your house, you don't have to go and eat it. But it's there, you get it. Yeah, called to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Gigi. I was just thinking of that really, the Bible's full of information about how the Lord wanted his people to live with that. Mm-hmm. It mostly has to do with not working. Yeah. So it, I kind of think that if you, took, if you took the Jewish tradition that you got your familiar with and you gave them Sabbath, what's different about that day? Nothing probably is different about probably still doing every prayer throughout the day like they normally would, but in between they're not working. Right. And yeah, but Jesus was the one that worked on the Sabbath and got into a lot of trouble. Yeah, so they, but technically he didn't work. Well, he technically he kind of picked, you know, he, he picked the grains and Yeah. Right, right. I mean, we need, yeah, we need to be careful of how, how we define things. The thing is, though, this is the one. Did you guys talk about eighth day stuff? Eighth day creation, eighth day redemption. Okay, every day is the Lord's day now. Um. Uh. Yeah. So every day is the Lord's day. So every day we do participate and rest. The thing about the Lord is that. We rest always because our Lord's active in us. Galatians 2, 19 and 20. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So we can be active, but at the same time being very passive. This is my demonstration of, that that was my point about prayer, is that we're very active in prayer, but at the same time we're being given to. Carla. Right.
because um, as, as, it, as it does if you don't have children in your house. But it doesn't look the same if, if, the, if the normal rhythm of your life is a rhythm of basically steady, smooth playing. You, you can be receiving all day long as you're living in this frenetic, intense, sweet rhythm of back-to-back and intensive playing. And so, you know, it seems to me part of it is just is, is, is our out-of-breath corporate Absolutely. In fact, I have on my notes here Audrey, my daughter. Because, you know, Jesus sets the child in the midst of his disciples and say, this is what you are. This is who you are to be. This is, this is it. This is the image. Um, so I, I see Audrey as my inspiration. The thing is, though, the way, way she is is very different than me. In a variety of ways, exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah, no, I don't need to say anything. Carly, you did, that's fine. You did good, did well. Oldest, Thank you. I have both. Half of the month or two-thirds of the month. Just talk about Audrey next time, Carla. It makes me feel better. What does that mean, jello? Okay. Usually that's a negative thing, jello. If you know what I mean. Oh, for resting, right. Yeah, absolutely. Now, didn't, didn't Peterson talk about procrastination? Yes. So, I, well, no, no, no. I, th- I think it's a confusion. It's a confusion of things where we feel like we always have to be doing something, and when we're not, we're procrastinating. Yes. I'm putting something off. I really should be getting to that. Yes. Where, where we, we should really think about... Uh, our time is defined, you know, the long view of things. Things will get done eventually. So, but we need to have strength and such to, to, to actually do those. She's talking about the laundry. Now, the thing is, though, you know, the, the comment over here, though, was, you know, about being able to be in the busy, uh, the busy world and still have a prayerful heart. And, that, and that's something, though, we always want to maintain those things, is that when we approach work, however defined work, um, we need to be understanding that God has called us to be in this place, wherever 
wherever that is, and that the best place we can be is the place that God called us to be, because this is the this is the the location. Right, we talk about location in this book, right? Um, this is the location God wants me to be, and and where He's going to be with me and for me. So even so, the thing is, though, we will we'll forget that that God has actually called us to be a mother, or be a deaconess, or be a whatever professional businesswoman or teacher um, because once we get into those places we forget I mean you know you get busy and you had the honeymoon period at your new your, your, your new job or, or whatever and then we get bogged down and we forget so the times of prayers though will help us remind us that God actually has called us to this place and that even according to our eyes we need to have our faith goggles on because according to our eyes everything seems to be chaos and a struggle, and laundry's not getting done, or, or whatever. But even in the midst of all that chaos, God is faithfully working and with us. So there's a balance. Absolutely. <laughs> Scary in a good way. Okay.
Kirby. Well, actually, this is why if Carrie uh, Tedron was here, she would say everyone has a rhythm. In fact, uh, my daughter goes to uh, music class in the morning every Wednesday, 9.15, right? Okay. 9.10. Maybe that's why I'm five minutes late always. No. Uh, and uh, these, you know, they, they have these songs and they, you know, put stuffed animals on the floor and they'll play with the dolphin that goes underneath the water and then they'll put stuff and they'll clang things and uh, Carrie tells a story I can't remember if it was if, uh, if I started the story or if she started the story but um, every mom who's there at some time in the music class is so excited about their child because they're on beat they'll move on beat well, the next song, they'll be totally offbeat. And they'll be like, well, we just had it this last song. And Carrie eventually has to sit, tell, tell the mom that really the child kind of has a natural beat. And some songs are, match that. So it really appears that the child is actually <laughs> no, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Well, so, I, you know, 
I, so we, I think we have these things in creation that kind of points to, points to this, this aspect of who we are. And so, Carol, you're absolutely right. Kirby, you got a rhythm. Yeah, you know, it, <laughs> y- yeah, you could, be, you could just be a different kind of rhythm. <laughs> yeah. Hey, who's, who's the musician? Michael uh, 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 Gage, the, the guy who just banged on the piano? John Gage. You know, maybe that's you. You're very postmodern, perhaps. Right. No, I, I, I can understand to this. Well, you know, you, you mentioned the, the, the place or the, you know, kind of the country, the Trinity. And I, uh, um, in the, you know, in our prayer service upstairs, I read from John chapter 19, which might have, I don't know if that kind of was like, why is he reading this? But um, uh, Peterson, you know, plays off of Genesis 1 and 2 and then John 1. We have this creation story, incarnation story, and it's, it's, they're telling kind of the grand story of God's creating and saving and sustaining his people. Well, John 19, Pilate brings out Jesus, and if this was working, I would show you, show you a Caravaggio painting of the Ecce Homo, which means behold the man. Well, not to get into it, but... Certain scholars actually believe that John is actually a very early gospel, perhaps maybe even written in Hebrew. And, and what we have is actually a Greek translation. That's either you know, here nor there. But um, when Pilate says, behold the man, if it was written in Hebrew, it would say, behold Adam. You guys read about that, right? About Adam being man and earth. Well, the Greek Old Testament uses the word anthropos, anthropology, anthropos. So this is just a little tidbit. If I ever go edu anthropu, which I do sometimes, Holly can testify to that, uh, that means behold a man in Greek, but behold Adam. And the location, the country of the Trinity, always for us is through this through the second Adam, through, through our Lord Jesus. And so Adam and Jesus are always in this, this grand story of salvation. But Peterson talks about being the firstborn, uh, Jesus being the firstborn, and how, um, I guess this goes to history. What is history? History, the study of man, his story, his, his being who? That's right. Well, uh, uh, what's with Henry Ford? I don't know if you use certain quotes. History is one damn thing after another. Which is absolutely, yeah. That could be one way of seeing history. But for the Christian? Exactly. That's exactly right. 
But when, when Peterson talks about Jesus being the firstborn of creation, There's well, so now you ha- actually have this unfolding of the story of salvation. This is what history is. So you have Jesus being, um, I tell the confirmation kids, you ever throw a pebble in the pond and we have these rings going out from this one point. Well, Jesus is the center and you have this, you have it going both ways throughout the Old Testament and then now and today. We have this great, so we have this location, this history, this story, this place that we're all in, but it is centered in Jesus Christ. That's why Paul talks about being in Christ. Location, place, for us is always Jesus. And John picks up on that. He picks up on the creation story and now has this unveiling of who the true man is at the the trial scene of Jesus when he says, Behold the man. Because he's unveiling the man to all of us. Now the strange thing of that image, Jesus is beaten and flogged, wearing a crown of thorns and wearing a purple robe. He's the king of the Jews, he's king of the world, but he's precisely that servant. I mean, he's precisely king as one who serves all the way to the death on the cross. Um, And that whole thing, though, is to bring God and man together. This is the intimacy that Peterson's going along with this. And uh, has has anybody, uh, does anybody watch foreign films by chance? All right, does anybody see Wings of Desire? Man. Yeah, well, it's a little older. Um, can you tell me what it's about? No. Nope. <laughs> yeah, 87, I think it was 87 or 89 when it was made. Wings of Desire is a German film. It's about angels. It's a fantastic story. Yeah, they, they uh, remade it. Yeah, they remade it into the City of Angels, which is they, not not. I mean, it's a fine movie, but Wings of Desire is is a wonderful um, biblical story, you could say. These angels are uh, first of all the movie. The movie, as we see the angels, we get introduced to. Uh, Damiel and Cassiel, these are two angels, and they, they've been hanging around for each other for, to, you know, since the beginning of time, basically. In their world, everything is black and white. So we see these characters in black and white. And they can never really influence what's going on around them. Their greatest struggles is to get a whisper out. And one of the great scenes uh, just before things change is uh, there's a, it's a frantic changing of scenes. In Cassiel, you're, you're on the top of a building in Berlin, and this guy, it's, uh, it's quiet, but there's some music in the background. But it's a very quiet scene, and there's this guy standing on the edge of a building on the roof. And Cassiel is 
you, he's like right next to him in his ear, just, and he has his hand on his back, and, and you could tell he's straining to say something to this boy. Well, if you look closely in the back, you have all these people jumping up and down and just like going frantic. And then all of a sudden, it, it moves back and forth from another frantic scene, da 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 da. And then all of a sudden, the boy jumps. And it's at that moment that Cassiel, uh, he, he, he would like to be a human. He's an angel, and, and he knows that he, 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 since he has no body, he has no matter, he has no creation, that he'll, he, the only thing that he can ever really influence is just a whisper. The thing is, though, it's not Cassiel who, who decides to fall, but it's, it's uh, Damiel who falls because he falls in love with a woman, and he can never, never have a, a intimacy with her, a communion with her. And, and actually, one of the great things is that when he... Uh, they have this image of him choosing to become man. Whether that's true or not, biblically speaking, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But he, he uh, actually um, finds himself unconscious right next to the Berlin Wall. And it's on the western side. Um, and, and he wakes up, and it's freezing. But this is the first time he has ever felt cold. And he's already walking down the street, and, and he actually sees now color. And, and it's graffiti on the Berlin Wall. And this guy who's walking down, he's like, stops him, and he's like, is this yellow? And he's like, no, it's blue. It's, is that green? And he's like, no, that's yellow. Or, well, you know, it's, he, there's this wonderful, interesting amazement of what creation is. Um, and then, and then the guy notices he's got a, like a big gash on his head, and he's bleeding, and he touches himself, and he was amazed that he could bleed. So, the thing is, though, all that that pinnacle, all of us, you know, you know, having a wonderful interest in angels. This movie demonstrates how man was created on the sixth day. Man is the Im- made in the image of God, and he becoming man, ultimately finds this wonderful and amazement of God's creation to its fullest. Now, for us who are, you know, part of mankind, uh, us, we find our fullest and, and our wonder and our amazement as man in the person of Jesus Christ. And in John nineteen five, when Pilate says, behold the man, that's for us. This is, this is it. This is the one we are called to be with. And um, so I, I think those movies do a, a wonderful job of demonstrating for us how, first of all, we are created in the image of God and there's great joy in this, in wonder, amazement, peace, uh, everything that Eugene Peterson talks about. However, like Jesus, 
He's been sent to this world to create communion between God and man. And at the end of this movie, In the Wings of Desire, this uh, guy who, who becomes this angel who now is man, the very end of the scene is he meets this woman. And this is a very interesting scene be- between man and woman, which can easily be seen as, as Christ in the church. They actually have, they, they're at this, this uh, bar, but they have this strange wine glass, maybe echoing a chalice. And they have, have this strange sharing of this wine glass where he actually pours it in her mouth. This, this, is, this is the fulfillment of what, who we are supposed to be. This is an image of man and God together finding its place in the Lord's Supper because that is the echo of the Garden of Eden. Man and God together in communion, living, um, living as we're supposed to be living, loving each other, sharing. So anyways, rent the movie. A little slow at times, but I think it's a wonderful movie. There's another one, Far Away So Close, which actually I think actually is, is my more favorite Favorite? More favorite of the two. Wait a second. That you can't say that. It's my favorite. Anyways, yes. Yeah, please ask. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, no, there's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Here, here's the long, short story. There's a couple. Gnosticism is a very ambiguous term, and it was applied to several different groups in the, in the early church. One group uh, was uh, saw the spiritual realm totally separate from the physical realm. So they're the sacraments wouldn't make sense to them. So, um, and that, that went in a couple of directions, too. Where if uh, the physical realm and the spiritual realm are separated completely, you could have uh, people who beat down the flesh. Or you could have people who, who totally partake of the fleshly desires. Because, frankly... If Jesus is just about the spiritual, then what does it matter what I do in the physical realm? It doesn't matter. So you have these, but basically there's the, the separation of the, of the physical world and the spiritual world. Then you also have Gnostic, which is actually the word comes from. Gnosis is knowledge. And you have a group of people with a secret knowledge. Um, and that really got played out... Um, if you really want to look this up, uh, there's a man called Irenaeus who lived in the second century. Who he wrote five books against the heresies, but it's about it's against Gnostics. His first book actually takes on this secret knowledge, and, and he actually uses the creed. It's fascinating, very interesting. Which is the Trinity, so he takes on Gnosticism with the Trinity. Um, one of the great resources that we have against Gnosticism is a small catechism. 
in the, in the meanings of the, of, the, of the, especially the first article. Does anybody remember how that started? What does this mean in the first article? I believe that God. Okay, great. Uh, Luther started with all, uh, he started with who? I believe that God created me. If there's no me, all other things, doesn't really matter. I'll let you guys think about that, but that's very important. The last comment. Perfect. There's a lot of Christians who talk like Gnostics, um, unbeknownst to them. And that's why we as Lutherans need to carry our witness out into the world and talk about how Jesus comes to us in physical matter. I mean, like, real words, not secret words, normal words. How God comes to us in water, bread and wine. And how actually that entire story has been the same story ever since creation. So... Of like how it came in creation? No, oh. Okay, let's talk about that afterwards. I'm going to wrap it up. We wrap it up with the Lord's Prayer. Okay. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.